This is Beth Bruno, and you're listening to the Fierce and Lovely Podcast. On this podcast, I amplify the feminine voice and curate feminine glory so that you, my listener, find your own fierce and lovely story. It has become somewhat of a sacred journey for me to uncover the stories of women from around the world throughout time and present day. The more fierce and lovely women I explore, the more I fall in love with the one in whose image we reflect. My hope is that in this space, you embrace your own beautifully ordinary life as the majority story most of us are living. Fierce and lovelies, have you enjoyed this season of guests as much as I have? If you have, would you mind taking just a few seconds and leaving a review or a rating over on Apple Podcasts? It means so much to those of us who podcast. Thank you, thank you, thank you in advance. And thank you to those who already have done that. I am so appreciative. I've been hearing from many of you that you enjoy the social justice issues that we elevate here in this space, and that's intentional. It's my heartbeat. I feel that if I'm passive and not continuing to engage and confront, that really it's the same thing as doing intentional harm. Well, today's guest echoes this. Actually, she says this same thing. Caitlin Rogers Perez is a Chicago mom whose journey toward truth has led her to partner with a woman of color, Rashida Graham Washington, who you may remember from episode 19. And together they have created Sweet Rest, a subscription-based educational tool for white women that supports black women-owned health and wellness businesses and provides them space and economic resources to take sabbaticals. Caitlin is a challenging leader for interracial friendship and an important voice to heed. Listen in to my conversation with Caitlin Perez. Hi, Caitlin. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Beth. I am thrilled to be here. Well, let's start off with having you tell us a little bit about who you are, where you are, what occupies the bulk of your days, and just give us a sense of who we're talking to today. Yes, I am physically in the city of Chicago, uh, where I am a concerned and passionate citizen, a lifelong learner, Uh, an introvert who thrives in vulnerable, honest conversations, um, very much like this one, a child of God, a truth teller in training, which ties in um, to a lot of the road I've been walking down, a creative thinker, a sister, daughter, mother. I have a 15-month-old baby girl, wife, friend, and neighbor. Hmm. What a list. What a full (laughs) life that you just captured for us in 30 seconds. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Well, Caitlin, I have kicked off a a new season with realizing that I need to to really come at this fierce and lovely from the get-go because it is the discovery of how those two words have intersected in my guests' lives that 
I've asked you on the show. I mean, that's what I'm seeing and the people that I'm so excited to interview. And so let's start off with um, you kind of describing for us a little bit about how you've discovered your own fierce and lovely and how that has shaped and informed where you are today. Mm. Well, thank you. And I, I did give this some thought. I was really appreciating this combination that you've chosen and really more than either of the words on their own, I've been so appreciating the and um, and the honesty and complexity and wholeness that that little conjunction of and uh, invites. And part of what I've been shedding in my own quest to move towards a more anti-white supremacy, anti-racism way of being is shedding a binary. And that's this either orness that our dominant culture of white supremacy preaches, um, that you're either good or bad. You're fierce or you're lovely. Um, when in fact, living into the fullness of ourselves, uh, I believe is really about exploring that and and so I've been wondering in our world of flattening, um, who is it who tends to be seen as only fierce and who is seen as only lovely um, and how that flattening can really hurt all of us. And in thinking of fierce, there's such a strength to fierce. It's a powerful force and we, I believe we all possess this potential for fierceness. And I think of the messages of the world, and I think that it's really Black women who are told endlessly to be strong, which leads to this epithet of the strong Black woman. And what I hope we'll get to talk more about um, in what I've started and this newest endeavor that I've been working on um, with Rashida Graham Washington is Sweet Rest, which is emphasizing um, rest, um, the need for nurturing care and love um, for Black women as the cherished beings um, that they are, um, the preciousness of Black women. And then when I think of lovely, there's this softness to lovely, this delicacy, gracefulness, something needing care. And I think white women are often socialized only into the lovely, that the world has this definition of lovely that also is um, tied to quiet and timid and daintly, dainty and accommodating and pleasing. Um, and I personally have found this is really paralyzing and distracting for me as I'm trying to live into the fullness of who I am. And I see that there's great need for my fierceness, especially directed from a place of humility and compassion um, in this fight against white supremacy. And we need to recognize that involves recognizing where I hold power and take responsibility for that. Um, so I really mm -hmm. see the both um, and the effort and internet and intentionality and courage that it takes 
to live into the qualities that the Mm. world might not tell us that we're allowed to be. Well, it sounds like you have been on a journey to get to this place that you have wrestled deeply with these words, whether you had articulated them, you know, in the beginning or not as what the wrestling was. So tell us a little bit about how you've come to this place. You've mentioned briefly sweet rest. so, So maybe start there. Tell us a little bit about what sweet rest is and how you've gotten to this place of what you just described with the both and of fierce and lovely. Sure. So sweet rest really um, in our vision for it is a space that will be a community, Um, this community that's committed to liberation and that that is placing rest um, and just care and celebration of Black women at the center. And that has, um, there are two different ways that we're approaching that. One is with the very tangible um, sabbatical offering. So all our community members choose to have a subscription and um, there's a subscription, there's a choice in the amount that everybody chooses on a monthly basis. And then those subscription dollars go to fund sabbaticals for Black women and also invest in Black women-owned health and wellness companies. And the other arm of that is an educational component that's really, we call it the awakening, and it's written to an audience that is primarily white. It's definitely focused on helping us to educate, to see the ways that white supremacy works as a system um, and the ways that you can passively be a participant in that system and really just to um, help help people sh- open their their eyes in a new way, a, a white audience specifically, and uh, increase consciousness. And then hope that that if the if the audience um, takes up their own internal work, then that will lead to a shift in the way that those individuals show up in the world which we believe will also create a more useful world um, for people of color and um, Black women specifically as people who experience the intersectionality of sexism Mm -hmm. and racism. Mm -hmm. So what a gorgeous partnership, not only supporting, kind of putting your money where your mouth is, right? Supporting sisters um, Mm -hmm. and their just the retreat from having to be, like you said, fierce and strong and blessing them in their their opportunity to retreat. But then at the same time, the parallel uh, mission to educate white sisters and just the combination of that. I love it. Love it. How did you come to this? Where did this come from for you? Well, it really grew out of um, what, how Rashida and I were each living out our lives in the world and we collided and it, it really um, just came to be. I will I can really only speak from my portion of the story, which was a whole process of undoing um, that I'm still working on and will it will be a lifelong pursuit. And I see, I really see my walk as a seeker of truth. And so I just imagine that as like pulling on this thread 
and it's like you you know you find a little thread and you're like you you start to pull it and then suddenly everything is unraveled and whiteness really results from this horrific lie that white supremacy is based on which is the hierarchy of human value and so what i have found in undoing that lie to try to live closer and closer to truth which is just humanness um, that it really requires this humble um, undoing and discernment. And so there's been a lot of time with me and my journal and seeking out resources and listening um, and believing the stories of people who experience the world very differently than I do. And then I believe a certain amount of that work was almost a prerequisite for what could then be fertile soil for absolutely amazing friendships with Black women. And those friendships ignited something within me um, because you see the way something is like very truly harming people you love. um, And you see the way that's working and just the connection that came through really honest, hard conversations that way. And Rashida and I met at a workshop where it was really interesting. At the very end of the workshop, there was an exercise where everyone got to either to both offer, you know, this is what I have to offer the room and they could be tangible and intangible things like, you know, I can offer childcare, I can offer, you know, money for dinner. Um, And then everyone also got to write down needs. You know, I even said for the awakening, I needed someone in the room if they'd be willing to be one of the editors. Um, and so Rashida, as part of her need, said, I need a break. I need to pause. I need to like get to be with myself and figure out what that even means. And this exercise was really a beautiful illustration of abundance because the idea was that you know, within the room, people could have needs met and receive a really wonderful offering um, from others. And so Rashida said that, and then we set up a time for coffee afterwards. And I had been doing this writing exercise where I had felt after being on this personal journey, there was, it was met with a lot of curiosity from friends and family. And also um, I just needed the outlet of saying like, I've had these huge shifts happen in me. I need to um, bring you into them sort of because it had been really lonely. So I had been writing just to a small group of, you know, my nearest and dearest, um, these essays, and then linking to other resources as sort of like, this is how you could join me on um, this walk that I find to be critical and essential. And um, so I, I was in that. And then Rashida was needing a break. And so we said, why don't you take, you know, a month long sabbatical, And um, she was able to extend it to six weeks. And then after that, we met again, and she was literally bubbling over with um, the many ways that it had worked in her life that she couldn't even have anticipated. And we thought, maybe we're onto something, you know, maybe there could be something where 
we do what we're what it is we're you know setting out to do through Sweet Rest. And I'm curious if you could tell us even more about what that has looked like for you as a white woman to really come alongside of women of color and be an ally, be a friend, uh, be a support, be an advocate. What are some of the challenges that you have experienced and what are some of the the wins that you would share with all of us, um, almost as suggestions and ideas uh, for us to take similar steps? Yes, it is definitely a sweet friendship. It is also a fierce friendship. Um, There is just mm, so much power in, in this combination. I have spent so much time listening, just listening and saying, and then sometimes opening my mouth and saying um, what you could consider as the wrong thing. Um, But I think that this um, focus on right and wrong is part of what really sets us back as white women who are trying to step into this new territory. And I think that that really goes back to these messages of the world, which um, I keep referring to as products of the system of white supremacy, and that is that we're capable of perfection. And as we know, we are not capable of perfection. You know, we're human beings and we're bound to sin in this fallen world. And however, whiteness really tells us it's possible to be perfect. And not only is it possible, there's this specific script. And if you follow it and adhere to it, you're going to achieve perfection. And we're going to give you these hollow gold stars in return. And I found that I became so dependent on those gold stars. And when I tried to just dip my toe into the water of going outside of that script into this anti-racist way of being, I was so terrified to mess up. And I see this replicated over and over and over again. And there's just so much to learn in the messing up in like we are stepping into this messy work of understanding like the fullness of our humanity. There is no right right way. Throw the map out the window. And in the process, you're going to learn a tremendous amount about grace and mercy and our desperate need for both. And I think that sometimes it seems we as white women are meant to be the ones with the halos, the ones that are granting grace and mercy. And we miss how terribly we need it for ourselves. Uh, And that is part of what the world messages to us. And so there's a, a massive humbling, like a very real humbling that happens through mistakes, like making something that wasn't at all about me, about me, Um, because we're so used to being the center of things. Um, Mistakes like, I don't know, thinking that I've even here on this podcast, like here I am, I've done all this work, like I've gotten to step outside of whiteness. No, (laughs) there's no, there's no end point. Like I still, it's like this ongoing, um, we we want to have the like atonement of like, oh, but like you're one of the good ones. Mm -hmm. It's like, there's no such thing. And we want to be good. It's this quest, like, please just tell me I'm good. And I've been trying to sit with the reality on both and that there's actually a lot of freedom in getting to be more honest about who I am in this world and how much I Hmm. have 
So I'm hearing that it starts with listening. You did a ton of listening. And you said earlier, choosing to believe the stories of your Black friends, which I just keyed in on that word, believe, which seems to be tied in with listening, right? We listen and then we actually believe what we're being told, the experience that they are Mm -hmm. sharing with us. We believe that to be true. And then failing, being willing and and embracing that we are going to fail and muck it up, and there's humility needed in that. Um, but we can't let our fear of not being perfect prevent us from continuing continuing to try and pursue just a better a better way. Those are two huge lessons that I I've been learning as well. Last season, uh, Rashida actually told me, you know. I, my white friends don't get to declare if they're allies or not. That's something that I I get to declare. I get to tell you when and if you're an ally. <laughs> no, I was going to say, and it's not, I like to think of it as this like very, um, it's like something that you earn person by person and minute by minute. Like once you have it, you don't get it forever. And you might be an ally in the eyes of someone and very much not in the eyes of somebody else. Yes, um, that was humbling. Yeah. That was, but so good to, mm-hmm. to be told that. And um, later on in the season, I had Sheila Wise Rowe on and I invited her to just process honestly with me how the words fierce and lovely sat with her. And, um, and she said, you know, choosing to be both of those feels like a luxury that Black women haven't really had. We have had to be fierce and we have had to be strong and everything else feels like a luxury. And as a result, I, I ended up changing the whole intro to my podcast because that those words were so gently corrective. Um, and so you're so right in that this is a process of mucking things up, but continuing to try and continuing to listen and learn. Um, and if we if we care about doing this better, that's those are steps we're going to have to take. And I would expand on those with two more with the extension from listening and believing while also recognizing that we will not be able to understand. Like we will not be able to understand what it feels like to be a black woman in this world if we are a white woman in this world. And one of the mistakes that I have made is learning and believing the experience of others does not mean I understand. So I don't know what that walk feels like, and I never will. Um, and I, I have made that mistake in the past, too. And I think that that's important in just honoring um, the different ways we experience the world. And it's somewhat um, arrogant to think like, oh, yeah, I've read a lot and I've listened a lot. So I know what that would feel like. And in fact, that won't be true. Um and what else? I wanted to yeah, say. Yeah, you said two more. I'm, I'm, I've got my pen in my hand. I'm ready know, to write this, the next one. I know. I'm like, <laughs> that's oh okay. Maybe it'll come um, back to me. Well, Caitlin, for my listeners who I do believe are mostly white women, what are some, some tangible steps to take to continue to to learn more about our whiteness and the the privilege that that affords us. Um, tell us a little bit more about the awakening because that feels very doable. And then tell us maybe some books you would recommend or 
or films or just, uh-huh. I don't know, some, some tangibles? I would say, first of all, what we're looking for is like a really long game. So we love our checklists of like, do these things and check them off and you've done it. And really what we're doing here is a shift in our being, which I think comes across as frustratingly vague to people. And they're like, what does that mean? And how do I do it? Um, But then that's where I tap into discernment, because I also have to say, I don't know exactly what that means and what that looks like for each individual person, because that is going to be rooted in your unique story. And so I have found it to be really critical to sit with myself um, and in my personal devotional time and just self-examine and then go out into the world and put put that into practice. And what we try to do with the awakening is to offer questions that we really want people to wrestle with. And we offer somewhat slight action items where, you know, environments that you could seek or very specific ways that you could rechannel economic resources, because definitely economics are part of this work. Um, But the deepest way is to start super inward, because I think that we come up against political correctness and everything when people are like, just tell me what to say and tell me what to do. And in reality, are the words that come out of our mouth and the actions that come through our bodies, you know, stem from something. And so it's like, we're going to look at the soil from which everything else is growing. And once that shifts, like everything else is going to shift too. And so there are so many ways that my life looks different um, that I couldn't have known from the at the beginning, that those would be changes that I would make. And I also feel that it's really important to not become paralyzed by just the bigness of it all. And um, to just, just keep walking because as white people, when we are not, um, when we are just going with the current, when we're just being passive, we are perpetuating this oppressive system. So we just, we, it can, it might, on some days we might be able to, you know, have an idea that has us sprinting. And on some days it might be just a slow and steady walk. We need to be going in the opposite direction. Fantastic. Because here I am with my pen and I'm ready to write a checklist and I'm ready to get some, some tangible tips and and techniques. And I, I know in my heart of hearts that that's not the answer, but still that's just my natural default. And so to hear you say, this is the long game. There are no checklists, that it's a shift in our very being. I need to be reminded of that. Um, all That's the truth of all good things and all social justice things require the same posture. And God's in it for the long haul. I mean, he's got a long game perspective. Uh, why, why don't we have more of one ourselves? So Caitlin, thank you so much for that encouragement. This, as all shows, feels like it's just too short. You have so much wisdom and so much to offer. And so in the show notes, I will definitely point people to uh, Sweet Rest and The Awakening and um, ways that they can get in touch with you and Rashida Graham Washington. 
Thanks so much for being on the podcast today. Thank you, Beth. And I do also want to acknowledge, um, as a result of Rashida's interview, um, the people from your community who have already signed up and signed on. And so I want to offer just um, a statement of appreciation mm. and encouragement for them and also Thank welcome you. anyone else aboard. Sweet listeners, I am typically the mom in church whose kids are like yanking on her elbow and pulling her away from conversations that they say I get stuck in. I'm the one who will spend hours over coffee with someone because I just can't bear to to interrupt or to look at my watch or to say, hey, actually, I really have a thousand things to do today. And this podcast has been so hard for me, especially this season as I'm trying to keep it more to a half hour show for you. I could go on and on and on with asking questions. I am so curious and there's so much to learn from these amazing, fierce and lovely women. I I don't know if you're feeling that as much as I have been. But shortly after our call, Caitlin emailed me and she felt the same way. And she thought there was so much more to, to talk about and to say. And one of the things that she wrote to me, I just have to read to you because I, I just have to do um, her heart honor by sharing this with you. She said, I wanted to underscore that even though I am channeling my energy into sweet rest, my main form of showing up for this work is in my day-to-day life. It seems people often think they need to be an expert or hold some official position in order to be part of this fight. In fact, we need individuals doing the work exactly where they are, in whatever careers they are already pursuing, in PTA meetings, on various community and church committees, with every purchase they make, at the Thanksgiving dinner table, etc., etc., everywhere and all day long. We do not know where the path will lead. We do know that it begins right where we are in this moment. I have goosebumps. She's such a wise woman, and she has more resources for you that I will put in the show notes, actual specifics of perhaps books to start or uh, people to follow on Instagram so that your feed is diversified. So please look in the show notes for all the extra things that Caitlin has to share with you. And if you have not yet looked into Sweet Rest, and uh, subscribing to The Awakening, I really encourage you to consider that. Thanks so much for joining us today. This is Beth Bruno, and this has been the Fierce and Lovely Podcast.